0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green, and there's only one week left in the regular season. Five teams earned playoff spots in game day 13. There are still four of the 16 spots up for grabs in what is sure to be a wild game day 14 next week. Joining me to break down all of that over in Germany is David Hein. Dave, how's it going this week?
1: Great. Uh, Another fantastic week and uh, cannot wait for the the chaos wildness of game day 14.
0: Yeah, next week's going to be insane. We'll preview that at the end of today's podcast and of course touch on it a little bit as we go through and break down game day 13. Just to catch you guys up, Venezia, Pauk, Antwerp, Bashiktas, and Prometheus all qualified for the playoffs this week. So five more teams are in. We'll talk about some of those games. Plus later on in the show, we have an interview with Kendrick Perry, the great point guard from Nizhny Novgorod. They got a really important win this week. Uh, so we were excited to talk about that win and plenty of other things as well. So stay tuned for that coming up later in the show. Also, make sure you check out the official website, that's championsleague.basketball for all the latest stats, news, everything else you need to know to follow the league. Uh, right now, Igor Djurkovic has his help side column up. He wrote about Antwerp this week. Also, Deacon Lloyd-Smith wrote about an all-defensive team for the BCL, using some of his own analysis and opinions. Uh, plus, he talked to some players and coaches as well to get their thoughts in putting together that team. So go check that out. And make sure you subscribe to livebasketball.tv to watch all of these games, and you can check out the games on the BCL YouTube channel every Monday. All right, Dave, let's jump in with the team of the week.
2: Lanzakis takes the contact, misses, Hunter gets the rebound, back and puts it up and in for another two points. Leading off
0: the team of the week, Tamir Blatt, the point guard from Hapoel Jerusalem, had 17 points, eight assists, and four rebounds in a big win over Bomberg. Julian Stone for Venezia, 15 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, and some great defense in their overtime win over Nanterre. Marty Collins from Sig Strasbourg, he had 20 points, six rebounds, and four assists as they got a really important win over Bologna to stay alive. Ivan Buva from Besiktas, 23 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists to help them qualify and snap Osten's 6-game winning streak. And the MVP of the round and surely of the regular season by this point, Vince Hunter, absolute monster performance, 25 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists for the defending champions, Ike Athens. Uh, Dave, before we get to who also had a solid argument for the list, Hunter's got to be regular season MVP, right?
1: I, I can't, I can't imagine anybody else who will, uh, who, who would win it. He's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how much, you know, how many times he got on the, on the, you know, he got the, uh, the, the court burn, you know, going down and, and you know, he just does it all. He's unselfish. Uh, he's just, you know, so much fun to, to watch. And, um, yeah, it's uh, MVP. Just give it to him now. You know, there's only one more game day. You know, I don't. I unless unless somebody scores uh, eighty, uh, but I still don't think that's enough for the entire uh, uh, regular season. So. Vince, vince sanity. We are experiencing vince Sanity here. Yeah, no doubt about that. Incredible season from Vince Hunter. Can't wait to see how
0: he tries to top that once the playoffs come around. Um, okay, Dave, who do you who do you got for the Jure Grant Award for a player who was left off the team of the week who probably should have been
1: included? <laughs> Actually, you know, Jure I doesn't have a bad argument himself. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, he had 13-12, five assists, four steals, two blocks, and a huge win over Prometheus. Uh, and in Patras, um you know, Buva made the team. i think I think Jason Rich, you know, had a good argument. You know, he really took over that game and and kind of let the game come to him and uh and did what he needed. Uh, six threes, twenty four points, a couple of Bandit guys actually, Shelton and Mackenzie Moore, both with with pretty big games. I don't want to I don't want to take all your guys. So maybe you had somebody else, but you know this was this was probably one of the weeks. You know, sometimes you have like seven, eight guys max, but you know I I have a list of like six guys that really had solid arguments. So uh, I don't know. Ho- hopefully, I didn't take all your guys.
0: Yeah, I I was going to say Jason Rich. I thought he was more important than Ivan Bua in that uh, that Besiktas win. Like you said, shot the ball incredibly well, made his first six three-pointers in that game. And then didn't force things after that either. He didn't go into hero mode and start missing a bunch of shots. He actually started just taking what the defense gave him, passing the ball uh, really well. So I, I thought Rich was fantastic. Um, the Banvit guys, as you mentioned, were great. And and yeah, I would have I would have liked to see Jure Grant finally get on here. So if if, <laughs> if I had my call, I would have put Rich on the team and then Grant over Buva. But uh, some strong strong performances all around. It was great to see guys step up. And and what was really a do or die week for a lot of these teams. So, some great individual performances. Now, let's talk about some of the best games from the week. We'll jump through these group by group, starting it off with Group A.
2: Ezzo all the way. Etzo goes for the layup and he goes in and he cleans up. Peta Cornelier just
1: throws it down.
0: All right, starting it off with Group A in first place, Ukam Murcia still with the best record in the league at 12 1. Behind them, the new-look Banvit have locked up second place. Four straight wins for them. Great performances uh, from their new additions, as you mentioned. Shelton, Moore, Gary Neal had another great game. And then after that, that's where this group gets really interesting. Avelino are in third place at 7-6, and six, but they have not yet qualified for the playoffs. In fourth place right now, Le Mans, the French team, are 6-7 and seven and really sneaking up on people. They've won four of their last five games, and we, we haven't talked about Le Mans very much because they started the season so poorly, but they've been playing really well lately. Uh, they control their own destiny. If they win next week, they are in the playoffs. In fifth place, with the same record as Lamont at six and seven, is Nizhny Novgorod. We talked to Kendrick Perry later up in the show. Nizhny need to get a win next week and also get some help to sneak into the playoffs. And then behind them, bench spiels are eliminated after losing to Nizhny, and then Anvil in seventh place and Ludwigsburg at the bottom. Uh Dave. Just in general, what are some of your some of your general thoughts here on this Group A playoff race with Avellino, Lamont and Nizhny three teams fighting for two spots?
1: You know, if, if Avellino I think if both teams can kind of uh uh, talk about injuries if they end up not making it I mean uh, I'm talking about Avelino and Nizhny Novgorod you know you had Kendrick Perry out a couple weeks with the with the back injury Avelino was playing uh, a few weeks without uh, Matt Costello he's who's now left the team and you know they they were also out without Nicholas uh, as well yesterday uh, this week as well um, so you know injuries are something that they also have to to you know to deal with, and you need to have the the depth of a of a, of a roster in order to to uh, to overcome those. Um, but I mean, you you really have to tip your hat to LeMond, who who you know just kept on chugging along, and then uh, said, okay, well you know if we can get hot, we can still make this uh, this an interesting race. And they're right there, like you said, they control their own destiny, and uh, um and i mean it would be it would be good for 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 french basketball if they can make it in i mean and that would ruin your bold prediction of all um of all four teams not making it from france but uh uh yeah it 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 makes for 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 a great final game day that's for sure
0: Yeah, credit to Lamont. They beat Avellino this week 81-68 on the road. So a a big win against one of their rivals for this playoff spot. So that was huge. Avellino scored 23 points in the first quarter of that game and then just 25 total in the second and third as their depth was a bit of an issue. Uh, They weren't able to convert. Michael Thompson on the other end for Lamont was fantastic. I mean, speaking of guys who could have got some team of the week considerations, 19 points, 7 assists, and he played all 40 minutes. In that game. So great performance from Thompson. Elsewhere in this group, Banvit with a 95-84 win on the road at Anvil, Morsia 73-47 win at home over Ludwigsburg, and Nizhny in what was essentially a playoff game going up against Ventspils. the loser would be eliminated. Nizhny stepped up, they jumped on Ventspils early, led by double digits for most of the game. Ivan Strebkov had 19, Kendrick Perry 14, as they led Nizhny to an important win at home. Dave, do you have any final notes on Group A?
1: Uh, I got just two things really quick. Uh, Mercy obviously fired uh, their coach uh, Javier Juarez. and and uh, for this game was Alberto Miranda, and they've since hired Sully, uh, Cito Alonso. Um, so big victory, but for them, um, and I'll come back to that later. Um, overtime. Uh, um, spoiler for overtime. Uh, and Evelino. Uh, they may have lost this game, but they did give you a glimpse of what they will look like uh, in the playoffs, should they make it, or at least now, um, because they brought in Demonte Harper and they also brought in Einar's um, uh, Einers, uh, um Einar Celins, the Latvian international, and they both had pretty solid games. Celins uh, had had uh, 15 points and six rebounds, and Harper had eight re- eight point six rebounds and two assists. Uh, there was no Demetrius Nichols, as I mentioned before. So, uh, but it, it just it gives you a little bit of an idea of what this team uh, will look like if they make the playoffs. You know, those guys will then have, you know, three or four more games with the rest of these guys, Sykes and Philoy and and, and, uh, and and everybody else. So it's this is not a, let's call him a finished product, um, this uh, Avelino team who also then is obviously, uh, I don't know if you want to say given up on, but they've released Matt Costello. So that was something that was interesting to watch a little bit as well.
2: There's no doubt. No, he's going to put up a three. He's going to miss it. Oh, can you believe it? The Nicolau was there. He got the offensive rebound and put
0: back. Moving on to Group B, Tenerife, still in first place. They've clinched that spot. They're 11-2. and Venezia clinched second place this week with an overtime win at Nanterre. Then in third place, we've got Pauk. They are also in the playoffs after a big win over Fribourg. And then this is where it gets interesting two teams left for one spot and they play each other next week winner take all a true playoff game between Hapoel hallone and Nanterre. both of those teams are 7 and 6 and just for context Hallone won the first game by 12 points uh, let's jump through the games in this group pretty quickly Tenerife set the BCL record for biggest margin of victory of 59 points, beating Opava 97 to 38. Bond beat Halone 91 to 83. Halone were once again without Khalif Wyatt and Corey Walden. Wyatt has been out injured. Walden went back to the U.S. following the death of his grandmother, but he will be back next week for the game against Nanterre. So that's huge news for Halone getting their primary playmaker back for that game. Pauk, as I mentioned, beat Fribourg 84-64, to and then Nanterre had a great opportunity against Venezia at home. They blew a late lead and lost that one in overtime, 89-80, to set up the do-or-die game next week. Uh, Dave, let's start out with this Nanterre-Venezia game. What did you think about the heartbreaker for the French side at home?
1: You know, they, they almost shouldn't have been there. You know, it, they they missed so many baskets. Uh, okay, I'm not going to say easy baskets, but so many baskets so close uh, uh, near the rim and uh, to, to kind of have to put themselves in the situation where, you know, that lead could have been that much more, uh, could have been that much bigger. And, and, uh, yeah, of course, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're playing for your life and, 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 and really you need a victory and, and you're also not able to come through on your home court. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you have to tip your hat to Venezia, you know, knowing that you grab that victory and you secure second place. Um, but yeah, now there definitely, a, a tough loss. Um, but you know, you you watch, especially like the first half, and and I I I hate I hate people um, I hate people who complain about referees at the end of the game. You know, we lost on that call at the end of the game. You never lose a call at the end of the game. You know, make that layup. You know, don't turn over the ball over. Uh, you know 15 times turn it over 10 times and you and you're not in that situation and you know you make some of those baskets early on where you're so close to the basket um, and 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 you're not in that situation so but yeah you gotta you gotta live with it and Nanterre is uh you know face it, you know they're still alive you know they 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 still have the game against Halon and and uh, and they could still sneak into the playoffs getting uh getting past Pauk would have been a uh, could have been a challenge anyhow uh, for third place uh, but yeah so that, what do you think? What did you think of that game? I mean, it was it was a it was a good one to to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean you, you talk about Nanterre missed opportunities. You mentioned the easy shots and and you know, maybe don't don't commit some turnovers. They did take care of the ball pretty well in this game, only six turnovers. But how about box out on the on the last possession? You know, Nanterre blew a late lead in the fourth quarter. They were up by two points in the final ten seconds. Had a chance to close out the game. Marquez Haynes went for the three for Venezia to take the lead. He missed it. But Julian Stone, we mentioned him on the team of the week. Great hustle. Got to the rebound and had a putback attempt, but he missed it. But Andrea De Nicolao got a second putback attempt. It was like Stone alley ooped him essentially. And De Nicolau, one of the smallest guys on the court, went up and, and got the putback to send the game into overtime. And then. Venezia closed overtime on an 11-0 run to win it. So, Nanterre, they had their opportunities. Jeremy Singlin was electric at times. He finished with 25 points. Dominic Waters had some solid moments. Adesuzkiewicz did a good job scoring, but... Uh, you know, Nanterre they just couldn't get enough stops. Julian Stone caused a lot of problems with his size, uh, and and his speed at the guard position, just kind of posting guys up, kicking it out to open shooters. Andrea de Nicolao as, as I mentioned, uh had that, that put back to send it to overtime. He also hit two clutch three-pointers in the final two minutes. Those were
1: huge three-pointers, yeah. Yeah,
0: final final two minutes and 45 seconds, he hit two three-pointers, and one of those it was Singlin who who made the grave mistake of going way under the screen on De Nicolaou. He he just completely lost him, left him wide open, and <laughs> De Nicolaou punished him with a three-pointer to tie it. Uh, and, and then also Paulson for Nanterre, missing some late free Throw. So, you know, like, like you said, Nanterre had their opportunities. Uh, they could have won this game, but they just couldn't quite close it out. Also, an interesting note in this game, Nanterre were, they've been one of the top two three point shooting teams all season. It's basically been between them and Pauk in terms of three point percentage on the season. Nanterre shoot 43.4% from the three point line, which is fantastic in this game. They were four of 24, only 16% shooting from the outside. Uh, So that's, that's really tough in a a game that goes to overtime. You have to think, you know, if they could have just made one, of those three pointers, just one more, uh, they could have won this, but instead they collapsed at home. Venezia pulled off the win, and now Nanterre have to fight for their lives on the road next week against Holon. So that's going to be amazing. Dave, looking elsewhere in this group, uh, did you have any notes or, or any final thoughts on Venezia?
1: You know, Opava have one more game before they can concentrate on the <laughs> on the uh, on the Czech League, uh, and you know, Tenerife, you know, they went. You know, Tenerife they went they they won by fifty nine. I think they were up by sixty two. And just looking at that number, a sixty two point lead, is just amazing. Um, but you know, just one thing that kind of just, you know stands out to me, and this has been the entire season, is that that you know Tenerife just don't force turnovers in a game. You win by fifty nine. They only force six six turnovers for uh, for Opava. that just seems so amazing that that. Uh, that they just don't. Uh, that they're just not able to create the the turnovers. They win games, and and I I don't know if it's me just trying to find a reason why and, uh, not to like them or 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 what it is. But there's there's. Um there's always things that that I that I that leave me wondering with this team. That that that's all I want to say about uh, Tenerife. But hey, they're eleven and two, man. They're eleven and two. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I I will say you're probably the only person who could look at a fifty nine point
1: win and say, well, they only <laughs> forced six turnovers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, they. No, it's, it's, I, it's, 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 it's yeah, not. It's I, not. It's not. I'm not looking it. for something necessarily bad. It just it, it it for me. It just seems kind of strange that you know uh, that that. It, and and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just uh, it's just a curiosity. That's all. Paris Lee. nice
2: pass back on the inside.
0: Oh, take that. Moving on to Group C. This is the one with the least amount of drama next week, as all four teams are already in the playoffs. Ike Athens, the defending champions, still in first place at eleven and two. Jerusalem. Right behind them in second place, they also have an 11 and 2 record. So if Ike lose next week and Jerusalem win, they will jump up into that first spot. Otherwise, Jerusalem will be in second place. Then we've got Bomberg in third at eight and five and Antwerp behind them at seven and six. Dijon, Le Cabelis, Nimberg, and Fuen Labrada are all eliminated. Looking at the games from this week, Ike with an eighty-four to sixty five win on the road at Leet Cabellas. Nimberg beat Fuen Labrada 104 to 87. Antwerp beat Dijon sixty seven to sixty-three behind a great uh, performance from Ismael Baco. And Jerusalem blew out Bamberg one hundred and three to eighty-nine. And that game was probably a little more lopsided at times than that score looks. Uh, but anyway, Dave since all four of these teams are in, my question to you is how many of these teams end
1: up making the final four? <laughs> oh, good one. Um, you know, if you put the over-under at two and a half, I would take the under, mainly because I just don't know what the situation with Bumberg is going to be, if they're going to play out the rest of the... The reg the the regular season, and then look at uh, getting a new coach, or if Perego is, is in there. But you look at the veteran leadership on there. Cliff Anderson, Cliff, uh, Cliff Alexander's been playing fantastic. Um, and you look at all those guards. Um, but I would take an under on two and a half. Um, so I guess that that means that I think that Ike and and Hapo Jerusalem will make it. Um. Which doesn't necessarily say that Antwerp can't make it. You know, like, you know, there's always a team that comes out of nowhere. Uh, I'm not saying that Antwerp can be that team, but um, that's what I would say. I would say two. What would you say?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. At this point, I would be really surprised if Ike and Jerusalem don't make the final four. And of course, we got a long way to go until we get to that point. We have to see what some of the matchups are. Uh, health will obviously be a, be a big factor when we're talking about these round of sixteen and quarterfinal playoff games. But I think those two teams have have probably been the most impressive in the league
1: this season, in my opinion. Um, in a in a one off game, yeah but in over two, two legs I, I, I can't see ike and, and jerusalem getting um uh, uh getting getting knocked off
0: Right. The only, the only thing is, is once we get to the quarterfinal matchup, so s- say Jerusalem end up in second place, they'll have to go up against, uh, you would assume one of the first place finishers. So maybe it's Jerusalem, Bologna, Jerusalem, Tenerife, Jerusalem, Murcia. I, I think I would still probably pick them in those matchups, mm-hmm. but th- that would be, that, that's going to be pretty incredible once we get to quarterfinals. And then Bomberg, you know, like you mentioned, a lot of uncertainty with the coaching situation. We'll see what, what moves they make. I would assume that they do something pretty soon here. Uh, but a lot of talent on that team. We know they have a good good home court there, so that could be an interesting situation. But yeah, this, this group... Uh, not too much drama in terms of who's going to make the playoffs, but at the top, like this, this is a group with a lot of talented teams. I'm really, really excited to see these four in the playoffs. And, and Antwerp, you know, coming in as a four seed, I think, you know, they're, they're just as likely as anybody else to, to pull off an upset in the round of 16. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what the matchups end up being for all four of these teams. Dave, before
1: we move on, do you have any general thoughts on this group? Um, you know, one guy we didn't mention, uh, for, for, for team of the week, we could even said Bracey, Wright. Uh, you know, he had 21 points, six, three pointers, seven assists in under 20 minutes off the bench. So a great game, uh, for Nimbrick, uh, beating Gwen Labrada. Um, also, um, don't look now, but Luis Alinda, uh, he had 10 points on two of three shots, five of six free throws, two rebounds, two assists, two steals, Um, He was injured for a while, but in the last three games, over 56 minutes in the last three games, he has 18 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, three steals. Um, So he was out a long time. He was actually, I think, the first guy we did on our homegrown section uh, on the website where we take a look at young players. Um, and was really starting to, to 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 move up a little bit and get into that rotation, uh, and and was injured not injured for a while, and so he's really come on the last three BCL games. Uh, so just wanted to mention that also. And of course, as always, Tashaun, uh Thomas, thirteen points, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. As my as my weekly Tashaun Thomas update. Rich. Crosses over, pulls up for the three. Four of four from the outside. Bajiktas back up from nine down.
0: And the last group, Group D, the group of death, uh remains one of the more intriguing ones as we enter this final week of the season. In first place right now, Virtus Bologna are 9 and 4, but they have not clinched first place yet. Behind them, Besiktas are in the playoffs at 8 and 5 and riding a five-game winning streak. Prometheus, also in 8 and 5, have clinched their playoff spot. They're currently in third place and they play at Bologna next week. Then we've got Three teams fighting for the final playoff spot. That's Ostend, Neptunus, and Strasbourg. They're all seven and six. Bayreuth and Petrol Olympia have been eliminated. Uh, Dave, let's start off this group with Besiktas getting a big 80-71 to 71 win over Osten, snapping Osten's six-game winning streak, and potentially keeping them out of the playoffs based on what happens next week. We mentioned Jason Rich and Ivan Buva, absolutely balling for Besiktas. Uh, what, did, what did you think about the Istanbul side winning this game and clinching their playoff spot?
1: Um, you know, I... I- I, I started really not liking this Pashiktas team and, and I've really totally turned on it. I don't know if it's just because Jason Rich. Um and you know, they got guys that uh that that are that are really talented. You know, with a rich with a guy when you bring in Rich and have him do so much sipa, he doesn't have to do as much so he can kind of pick his spots. Uh and and you know, you look at Pressey, you know, I think it was zero points and ten assists. Uh and and it's it just it's just uh you know they they have they have strong athletic uh quick guards um and then you know i don't think any i don't think we've really talked about it at all but i think um you know ivan Buva, he has a chan- he has a he has an argument at least an argument for regular season uh team of the week or you know regular you know team of the regular season uh you know we had a couple of huge baskets uh late in games to win games for them uh, and he's just been fantastic. You know, they had problems with Juricic, but that was really it. You know, nobody else really got, uh, um, got really, you know, you know, really put that put them under pressure. Uh, Rich picked his spots fantastically. You know, Schwartz was really dealing with him, uh, pretty well, and then he hit a shot, and then just got on fire, and then was just, you know, he really just abused them. I think it was uh, uh came on him, and he, you know, he couldn't defend him at all. Um, you know, this was we talked about it with team of the week um you know that rich you know he didn't make it but that the fact that he really let the game come to him and he really uh just did everything that you needed you know you know led the team offensively and then kind of you know pulled the reins back and let others uh do their thing and, and you know buva i i, I think he's fantastic I, I i really enjoy watching him and i think he's uh uh i think he's probably one of the best bigs in this competition really
0: yeah, he's been solid all season. He's really tough to deal with, uh, when, when he gets positioned in the post. He's a big guy, soft touch. He can score with both hands. He's also a good passer. Out of the post. I, I thought Bashiktas in this game, they did a great job in the fourth quarter of when they took the lead, they really slowed the game down and just played through Bua in the post. And he was either getting fouled or finding cutters or making shots himself. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a big weapon inside and, and really tough to deal with. For Ostend, they went ice cold in the fourth quarter. In the final eight minutes, they had more turnovers than made field goals. They only made two shots in the final eight minutes of the game, and they had three turnovers. Uh, Besiktas forced 18 turnovers for the game, and I, I love their pressure defense with Phil Pressey, uh, Keenan Sapahi. Like, these guys just absolutely hound the ball handlers. And those two, those two guards, they only combined for three points in this game, but sixteen assists between the two of them. There you go. And great, great defense. Thanks. And and I, I agree with you. You know, I, I didn't like this Bashikta's team earlier in the season. They just didn't have enough offense. But bringing in Rich has completely changed that. He's he's and almost unstoppable one-on-one scorer right now. He's just been amazing his last five or six games. And and no coincidence that Bashiktas have won five straight since he's kind of rounded into form. And the other thing about Bashiktas and that winning streak is is their wins are over Neptunus, Strasbourg, Prometheus, Bologna, and Ostend. So the other five best teams in the group. So, you know, they weren't just beating up on Bayroy and Olympia. They, they went out there and got W's over every team that they were competing for, for a playoff spot. So I think that's a really encouraging sign for their chances going forward. Uh, and, and, um, you know, based on, on the tiebreaker situations, like they, they could rise up the standing still, you know, they're, um, they're they're a team that could end up with home court advantage in that round of 16. So. Exciting to see Besiktas uh, turning it on like this. Also, Gayek and Vesioglu, two of their role players, stepped up and, and hit some big shots in this game. So it's a well-rounded team. We didn't even mention Robin Benzing, who can, who can get you 15 or 20 points on a given night. So a dangerous team there uh, with Besiktas. Dave, any, any final thoughts on that game before we move
1: on? Uh, no, let's, let's, let's go on to the next one because that's a, that's a fun one for sure.
0: Yeah, another great game. Strasbourg snapped their losing streak with a crucial 83-80 to win at home over Virtus Bologna. This was a do-or-die game for Strasbourg. If they lost, they were eliminated from the playoffs, but they stepped up. We mentioned Marty Collins uh, with a Team of the Week performance. You Fall was all over the glass, finished with 17 rebounds. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on this one as Strasbourg just barely survived another late Bologna comeback?
1: Uh, you know, go back to the thing I said about Opava. You know, you, you only turn the ball over, you only uh, commit force two, two turnovers, and, and yet you win. Uh, 17 turnovers for uh, for Strasbourg, uh, just two for uh, for Virtus Bologna, but that's also uh, just because really a lack of, of pressure on the ball that uh, that um, that Strasbourg has, but but um, rebounding obviously the clear advantage on this one forty nine twenty seven and it, what for me is telling is that you know Saerponte obviously didn't think that quali or or Kravich could do anything against fall you know they combined for for sixteen and a half minutes he obviously thought the best matchup for for him and his team was was Marera against fall uh and and fall just killed him you know you know seventeen rebounds. Uh, had the eleven points, two blocks, uh, but just you know, for for me, I I would have been I would have been interested to see a little bit more, uh, you know, what happens with you know Quali, see if he's able to do different things, you know, the physicalness of Quali, maybe been able to get uh, a couple more fouls uh, on 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 fall, um, you know, he ended up with just two fouls, you know, and and fouls is something that fall. <laughs> not easy to say. Uh foul, fouls is something that fall has had problems with. Um but you know, you just think that, you know, maybe, you know, rebounders like Quali and 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 Kravitch, maybe they could have done something more. You know, 28 minutes for Morero, 16 combined for for Kravitch, uh and 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 Quali. Um and you know, Punter did his thing. You know, Aradori had a huge game, but, you know, I, I thought the, the key, the other key was just Collins playing fantastic game all, the whole game.
0: Yeah, Collins was was really working that old man post game where he, he was just <laughs> taking, uh, you know, taking smaller guys or, or younger players into the post and kind of taking them to school there. So Collins was great, throwback performance from him. Overall, I, th- I thought Strasbourg they brought much better energy in this game than we had seen from yeah. them in recent weeks, much more urgency, uh, which, which makes sense. Given that it was, it was a win or go home type of game. So good to see that from them. I think one of, the, one of the big keys was Nicola Long and Jarrell Eddy just kept getting open for three pointers. Uh, both of those guys had 12 points. Eddy was three for eight from the three point line. Long was two for three and, and hit some really crucial shots. You, you can't give those guys an inch of space, especially long. That guy's an absolute, smi- absolute sniper. So those, those guys were able to get open and hit some big shots. Mike Green did a good job distributing. He finished with seven assists. I thought I thought Moreira had a strong game overall but like you mentioned fall got the better of him and I would have liked to see Kravich out there I think a little bit more I think uh, with with him and, and the way he can get up and down the court maybe they could have given Strasbourg some more problems um, you know we, we were talking about how Bologna really weren't able to get out and transition as much as we would have expected them to against a slow Strasbourg team so I, I thought Kravich could have helped there but also maybe Ponti was just trying to get moreira some more minutes so he can you know get more comfortable playing with these guys with Bologna already having their their playoff spot locked up coming into this game maybe that was uh part of the logic there but yeah fall ended up winning that matchup overall punter was incredible again kelvin martin had some huge plays down the stretch but bologna for the second straight week couldn't quite Pull off the comeback, and Dave, this is a team that started the season seven and zero. They're two and four in their last six games. Are we are we worried about Bologna now? Is uh, a team that looked like a surefire Final Four team,
1: you know, for most of the regular season? I wouldn't say worried. Um, I, I I think uh, you know you're, you're you know these teams are uh, second time around finding ways to to you know try to slow down punter try to slow down uh taylor uh make things more difficult for him you know now you know that was a that was a good point with with maria maybe he did want to get him more into the game um but you know they still have all those weapons they still play tough d they still handle the ball well um but they're not they're not an experienced team necessarily this, this, uh, Bologna team. And if you look at, you know, you look at, um, a team like Strasbourg with all this, the experience that those guys have, they're old, but they're experienced, you know? So, um, I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried just because of the amount of weapons that, that, that team has. Um, but on the other, on the other hand, you can't be, you know, you have to be a little bit, um, you have to be you have to be cautious you have to be cautiously uh optimistic you know last last the last the the week before uh they they just missed coming back and and uh against Bashiktas which you know i would say Bashiktas is is a is a is a sort of veteran team. You look at Rich, you look at, uh, you look at Benzing, uh, some of those guys, you know, they, they, they do have some experience, you know, they're not, they're by far not as, as, as experienced as, as Strasburg, but yeah, cautiously optimistic, I guess is, but I wouldn't necessarily worry about Bologna.
0: Yeah, one last note for me on Strasbourg is they did struggle again in the fourth quarter. This has been a, a, a constant issue for them over the last five or six weeks. Um, it is not coming up in fourth quarters. They committed four straight turnovers at one point in the final five minutes, and that helped Bologna get back in the game. But they'd built a big enough cushion uh, to where they were able to hang on to the victory. The other really important game in this group was Neptunus with a big win on the road, taking down Prometheus 82-69 to to stay alive. Neptunus uh, can still sneak into the playoffs if they get a win next week and, and get a little bit of help. We'll talk about that coming up in the Game Day 14 preview. Uh, we mentioned Jare Grant had a great game. Dave, did you have any other thoughts on Neptunus-Prometheus?
1: Uh, you know, just holding... Uh, holdin To 39 percent shooting, 47 percent. Neptunus did, um, you know, just a solid performance uh, by by Neptunus, and and to put themselves in the situation where they, you know, still have a, a pretty solid chance to to make it. All right, so that's it for our group-by-group group breakdowns. Coming up soon, we have our
0: interview with Kendrick Perry. But first, we're going into overtime. Five topics. We'll get through
1: these pretty quickly. First up is stat of the week. Dave, what do you have for this one? You know, there's a couple of stats out there that are really easy to pick. But I'm going to go with um, the first 640 of the first quarter of that Anferp-Dijon uh, game. Uh, a dunkathon, if you will, for uh, Ismail Bako. Uh, the first... Six minutes, he had twelve points, six of six field goals, uh, five pretty fun nasty dunks. Um, had twelve points as they built a seventeen to five lead. Antwerp did, and he had three free throws. The rest of the game didn't have, didn't make another shot. The rest of the game. So I just thought that that six of six in the first seven minutes uh, of the game was pretty fantastic by Ismail Bako.
0: What do you got? Yeah, shout out to Baco. He's been great to watch all season long. I, I I love that guy. Uh for my stat of the week, I went with eighteen and that is because Gary Neal has scored 18 plus points in three straight weeks for Banvit uh, we've, we've talked about them really turning things around you know this was a team that started the year pretty well they were getting some wins uh, and then slowed down in the middle of the season you actually made a bold prediction that they would miss the playoffs but they went out made some signings brought in a scorer like Neal who they really needed they went from five and four to winning their next four games uh, with Neal playing really well in all of those now they Clinch second place in Group A, so that's my stat of the week. Gary Neal, eighteen plus points in his last few games to help Banvit clinch their playoff spot. Next up, Dave, surprise of the week. I'll throw it to you first on this one again.
1: Uh, I had I had actually Aptunas. Uh, I know I didn't say too much about it, but you know them really never letting it be close in Patras. Uh, also on a Wednesday so the house was pretty good um, but uh, never really letting them get close uh you know they held Ryan Brown uh, Ryan Brown to I think four of 16 or so you know he scored some points but uh, also 15 rebounds but um, you know just uh you know hounded the team and didn't really let the let Prometheus uh, really do much um and and never really letting Prometheus into the game uh, that's for me what I, what was surprising. So, what do you got? Yeah, for me, I went with Lamont, 13-point win
0: on the road at Avellino. I I know Avellino was shorthanded, but you would think a home game, chance to clinch a playoff spot, uh, it's not going to get much better than that, but... Lamont and Avellino actually led by ten points in the first quarter, but Lamont completely dominated from there. the The French team we haven't given them a whole lot of attention this year, but if they if they're in the playoffs, we'll make sure we cover them quite a bit because this has been a, a big turnaround for the French champions. Uh, after starting the season poorly, really turning things on late in Group A and can clinch a playoff spot next week if they get a win. Next up, Dave, overreaction Friday. I'm going to go for this one. I'm going to say that Jason Rich is the best scorer in the Basketball Champions League. He's, I think, sixth right now in points per game. Uh, and, and you know, I think, you know, earlier in the season, we would probably have given this to Kevin Punter, hands down. And, and Punter has still been great. He had 22 points. In that loss, but Jason Rich uh, has just been completely unstoppable. We mentioned six of six from the three point line uh, to start the game against Ostend. Three of those three-pointers came in a one-minute span. If you run him off the three-point line, he can attack the rim. He has that awesome little 15-foot pull-up jump shot. He can kind of post up and, and shimmy shake and fade away. Uh, he's just an absolute nightmare to deal with. So that's what I'm going with. Jason Rich, best score in the Champions League. What do you got for your overreaction?
1: Not bad. Uh, it would have been interesting to see what hap- what happens with uh, Khalif Wyatt the rest of the, you know if he had been able to play very much. But uh, but but very. I, I don't think you're far off. Uh, also the experience that he's got. Uh, I'm going to actually cheat, um, and I'm going to actually go with an overreaction that actually happened. Uh, and I'm going to say uh, Marussia's firing of Javier Juarez. Okay, they were down, they they were five and thirteen in the uh, in the uh, ACB. Um, seven losses in a row uh but they were 11 and 1 in the uh 11 and 1 in the champions league when they fired him and um you know this is a team that was only 17 and 17 last year they didn't make the playoffs last year in spain um and uh i mean okay they brought in C- uh, Cito alonso uh, you know, he was with Barcelona um last year, was fired last year, was fired this year from Sevilla, and so maybe they think that, you know, that bring him in, uh, you know, definitely a bigger name. But this was an emerging coach uh from uh from the Real Madrid system. And like we said, you know, it would be different, even if they were like six and you know, six and seven, or you know, you know, even seven and six, you know, whatever, but the fact that they're eleven and one and have been, you know, you know, winning tough, tight games, uh, and showing that that grit, um, I, I was really surprised. Even without, uh, even despite the five and thirteen record in the uh, in the uh, in the A C B, so uh, my overreaction actually took place. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, and then interesting that they they come out and blow out Ludwigsburg in this game uh, with with the interim coach of course Ludwigsburg have had plenty of struggles themselves next category best win and worst loss I'll start off this one for best win a few different candidates here because uh, you know several teams were able to save their season and, and keep their playoff hopes alive I'm gonna go with Neptunus on the road at Prometheus that's a really tough win uh you know w- with your backs against the wall going up against a tough Prometheus team with their great defense with Ryan Brown playing the way that he He's been playing to go in there and win that game by 13 points. I think sp- speaks a lot about Neptunus in terms of their toughness and, and their character. So that was my best win, and for worst loss, I, th- I think it's got to be Nanterre. You know, losing that game, letting letting Day Nicolau, one of the smallest guys on the court, get the tip in buzzer beater to send it to overtime, and then getting blown out in overtime. For me, Nanterre worst loss of the week. Dave, what do you have for your best win and worst loss?
1: I'm going to start with best loss. I'm going to say Prometheus Patras losing at home uh, in a game that if they win that game, then all they need to do is beat Bologna in Bologna. Yeah, you know, in in parentheses, all you need to do, um, and you could have first place. Uh, and and now you know you're you're fighting. You might not even get. You might you might not get second place. Um, so I I think that was you know look at the consolation where you could actually still have a very good chance of going for first. Uh, and the biggest win. I'm gonna go with Beşiktaş because you know we were talk. You know we talked a lot about how us us then was winning games real tight, and then had the big, uh, the big, uh, win last week, the week before, or whatever. And then um, you know, six of seven now for for Beşiktaş, and you know they have a serious chance now for first place with that victory now. So I'm gonna say biggest win uh to continue their run, knock off the you know the the hottest team in Ostend and and now really you have a decent chance of getting first place. So uh, I'm going to go with Besiktas. All right. Good choice there. And the last topic, most
0: underrated performance. I'll throw it to you first on this one, Dave. Uh,
1: you know, this is a guy I've talked about a couple of times. Uh, and uh, I guess this is my, my conscious saying, uh, let's, we, we need to talk about uh Mans, but uh, Ad- Anton Aito, you know, he's, you know, he's had, uh, some some big shots in a couple of big games. I mentioned it last week. Uh, um, but, you know, you look at one of seven three pointers, not exactly the greatest, you know, had nine points in the in the win over Avelino, six rebounds, five assists, five steals. Um, so I'm going to go with, you know, not somebody that we really talk a lot about. I mean, OK, we don't talk much about Lamont anyhow, but, you know, we talk more about, you know, Thompson uh, or, or Cameron Clark. Uh, but, you know, Ido's not a guy that we talk about very much, but a huge, not necessarily offensive game. But, you know, when you look at this, you know, the rest of the things that he did. Uh, and this is a guy that you need to have to, to, to win games. Yeah, good
0: choice there for my most
1: underrated. I went with Michael
0: Bramos from venezia sure, sure, sure. with a clutch you know big big three in overtime to kind of seal that game uh you know we we talk a lot about marquez haynes austin day mitchell watt uh julian stone in this game had a, had a great game but bramos is one of those role players for venezia who's, who's been really crucial at times remember that game uh, against tenerife yeah. that they won where he he hit some big shots late and he did it again here so i went with michael bramos for my most underrated performance of the week Coming up next, we have our interview with Kendrick Perry, the phenomenal point guard from Nizhny Novgorod. We talked to Kendrick for almost half an hour about their big win over Vinspiels, their season up until this point, and some background info on him. Kendrick, uh, great guy, really fun to talk to him, so we were were glad to get him on the show. After the interview, Dave and I will preview game day 14, so stick around for that.
2: Struggling to get a ball in bounds. Perry turns, fires, makes the three! Incredible shot from Kendrick Perry to send it to a second overtime. I had to get open, they couldn't. Pendrick, Perry had to add lib just turns and fires. Makes it. Make sure the feet are behind the line, no question. Great defence from Sykes. I mean, what more?
1: Okay, so on the show this week we have Kendrick Perry from Nizhny Novgorod. Uh, Kendrick, uh, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Okay, um, you guys had a had a big win uh, this week over Ventspils to to really stay alive uh, in the race for the for the playoffs. Uh, maybe just talk about how it felt to uh, to get that victory.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know. Um... In our in our group, every game's going to be tough, you know, whether it's uh, at home or on the road, um, and we know that you know, Vinceville is a very skilled team. We know that you know this is a this is a, a do or die win or a do or die game for us. So we we just had to stay locked in all game, um, and you know, I think even though we didn't do a, a great job of that for all forty minutes, um, you know, we did what was necessary to win the game and, like you said, keep our keep our hopes alive uh, and. Uh, to advance to the next round.
1: You guys had lost uh, three in a row in the, in the BCL, uh, but uh, in in the meantime had, had knocked off uh, Onis Kazan uh, in the VTB. Maybe just talk about how important uh, that victory was kind of for as a confidence builder going into that venture biz game.
2: Oh yeah, it it for sure was a a big confidence win for us. Um, Like you said, you know, dropping three straight in the BCL and then, you know, coming up against a, a very strong team like Kazan, you know, you just have to, you just have to find ways to, to get your momentum back, get your confidence back. And so I think we did that against Kazan. And, um, you know, I think that momentum carried over to our game against Vince Fields and hopefully we can keep that ball rolling for, you know, these next uh, few games.
0: Yeah, Kendrick. And personally, you've been having a great season. We know what you've done in the BCL, and then over in the VTB League, uh, you were just named to the All Star team there. What have been some of the keys for you personally this season t- uh, to have such a good year?
2: I mean, I just want to stay as 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 ready and as confident as I can be. You know, I came from a a pretty a pretty small league in in Hungary last year, and I knew uh, that the the VTB and the Champions League are, are highly respected leagues. And I know I would have to, I would have to be ready to perform every single night. So with that mindset, you know, I just wanted to stay, stay confident, continue to put the work in that I've put in so far throughout my career and just kind of let the results speak, uh, speak for themselves. Um, I think the, the all-star team for the VTB is a great accomplishment uh, for myself personally. And I'm, I'm grateful for everybody involved in the, in the process. So, uh, you know, with everything, Moving forward, I just want to keep getting better day in and day out. And like I said, just let the let the results uh, speak for themselves.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then in the Champions League, uh, we just put an article up on the site. Uh, the writer, Deacon Lloyd-Smith, talks to some coaches and some players around the league uh, to try to put together an all-defense team. And a lot of the coaches that he talked to pointed to you as a member of that team but then I noticed on Instagram you were uh, a little bit unhappy about the Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> Galaxy <laughs> character that they picked for you. What? Uh, I, I actually haven't seen the movie, so I don't, I don't, I don't get it. What was the problem there?
2: Nah, it's all good. You know, I just got a lot of, I got a lot of flack from you know friends around Instagram that just said, you know, Gamora is the is the girl, and you know, it's because I got the long hair. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's all fun and games. Um, just to be, just to be mentioned. You know in that group of, of you know one of the league's you know top defenders is is an honor for me because i take you know as much pride in defense as i do on offense um so you know i'm very appreciative of all the all the players and coaches who have you know thrown my name out there um but you know just a just a little lighthearted fun um hopefully hopefully you guys at bcl didn't take it too seriously but you know i got a little flack for that so it's all fun
0: <laughs> no no I, th- I think everyone thought it was hilarious um so then so you know staying with defense going back to college you were a, a two-time all defensive player in the horizon league i think you're the the all-time league leader in steals in that league um so have you just always been a tough defender or was, was there something along the way that just kind of clicked for you um or you know what's the story there
2: i mean i think um instinctively i've kind of just always been at the the right place in the right time you know like i said um defense is something i pride myself on and you know in the bcl especially in our group you know it seems like you know there's going to be a, a key defensive matchup for me every night so um, i always just try to do my homework and you know just try to be as prepared as i can be because you know there's a lot of talented guys not just in my group but in the in the in the entire BC, bcl and the vtb so it's going back to me being prepared every single night to to do my job and do whatever i need to do to help my team win
0: yeah and and something else we saw when we were doing some research for this was in college uh i think it was an opposing coach gave you the nickname the emperor penguin is that is that correct (laughs)
2: yeah yeah no it was um the the nickname is correct but it was from a it was from a a broadcaster that was calling our game oh Oh, okay Um, the morning the morning of the game he um he asked me if i had a nickname and i told him you know other than kp which is my initials you know I I never really had like a true nickname um I have a nickname my grandmother calls me but you know but between my grandmother and I I'm not gonna share that nickname but um right <laughs> uh yeah but he just he just said you know after the he was like after the game you know I'm gonna or during the game I'm gonna think of a, a of a name and then you know after the game um you know I think I think hopefully it'll stick so uh I can't remember the game I think it was um, when we played Cleveland state, but I played really well that game and I just got, I just remember seeing my phone after the game and my mom, I got a text from my mom that said, you know, congratulations, emperor penguin. And I was kind of <laughs> like, what? Like, <laughs> huh? And then, you know, that's when she kind of told me, you know, well, throughout the broadcast, you know, the, the, the sportscaster was dubbing you the, the emperor penguin. So yeah, I guess that kind of stuff. And for and for I guess the the background is, you know, uh my college's mascot is a penguin. A penguin so I yeah. should, I should throw that out there, you know, just to, so everybody's so everybody doesn't think, you know, what what does a penguin have to do with anything? So, the mascot's a penguin and I guess he thought the the emperor penguin was the right way to go, so it kind of stuck for a while. <laughs> I like it.
1: You mentioned uh, Cleveland State. Um, the first game of the season, you had uh, the double overtime game against Avelino with Norris Cole and Kiefer Sykes. Um, we talked to Norris Cole after that game, and he actually looked back on some of those uh, battles that you had with him, uh, you at Youngstown State and him at Cleveland State. Uh, maybe you can uh, offer up your uh, recollections of, of, of going at it with uh, Norris Cole.
2: Well, uh, I, we only played against each other one year. His senior year was my freshman year. Um, you know, we played them twice, one, once at Youngstown, once in Cleveland. And the Cleveland game, he lit us up. He had <laughs> 40 points, I think, like 20 rebounds and nine assists. It was it was ridiculous. Uh, and, I mean, you know, that was one of those games where you look, you know, after that game, you look back and say, yeah, he's, he's going to be in the league you know, he's, he's, he's going to be in the league. He's, he's always been a competitor. I love going against him. I wish we could have had, you know, a few more years to go against each other, but it's funny how things come full circle. You know, I got the chance to to play against Kiefer Sykes three out of my four years in college and just, you know, how his game is elevated and, and grown over the years is, is, you know, admirable. Um, you know, him having a, a great season in Avelino, just coming off the you know obviously the record breaking game um that's awesome and i think that that speaks to not just us but the talent throughout the whole horizon league um so you know i think we i don't know if i i can't really speak for them but i know we pride ourselves on you know representing the horizon league and not being one of those major uh conferences in in college basketball so to speak so you know we we kind of you know have to do our part to make sure that you know people you know, put some respect on the Horizon League. Of
1: course, uh, I wanted to bring up Sykes. Um, you, uh, you guys uh, played three years against each other. Um, you actually got the first victory against them, and he kind of uh, dominated you. Uh, won five games uh, over the next uh, two and a half years. Um, you guys were on the All Horizon League uh, team together twice. Um, maybe just remember, just go back and and what you remember about about him back then at Green Bay. Um, and, and, you know, obviously we saw, you know, he was the scoring leader in the Turkish second league last year and came over to, um, came over to Avelino and obviously had the, the, the amazing game, uh, breaking the scoring record. Maybe just, um, talk a little bit more about that development of, of Kiefer Sykes.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you know, if you look at his resume, you know, so far, um, that kind of speaks for itself. And if you go back to I'm not sure what the. What the Green Bay records are, but I'm sure he holds some records up at that school as well. Um, and like I said, it's always been fun competing and going against him um, and his team, his very talented team. It's a very well-coached team at Green Bay. Um, so, you know, that's someone who I have the the utmost respect for.
1: And we know it's a team game, but, um, you know, the last time you beat him was back in January 2012. Uh, how, how, how nice was it to get the victory over Kiefer then uh, in Avellino a couple weeks ago?
2: Oh, it was great. <laughs> I mean, you know, any any chance you can get to, you know, get a get a little a few bragging rights, you know, um, you gotta take full advantage. But uh, like you said, I think Kiefer has the he has the upper hand in the in the overall standing. So, um, you know, maybe we can change that a little down the road, who knows? But um either way, you know, like I said, it's just great to compete against him, great to see that uh his game has gotten to where it's going where it is and you know, I'm sure with with time and with the work that he's, he puts in, it's going to increase over time.
1: I saw that your brother, Aubrey, uh, played professional soccer in, in Sweden for uh, three years or so. Uh, maybe how, how close were you to seeing him play or him seeing you play over here in Europe?
2: Uh, he's come, the last time he's seen me play was my first year in Europe when I was in Corman in Hungary. He was able to come for... Either I think either one or two games, uh, so it's been a little while. But he catches all my games um, online when they come on, and you know we talk about. I always call him after the games and we talk about him. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been able to get over to Sweden to watch him play just because you know our seasons are so long and his season is only I think five or six months. So you know it's kind of it gets to the point with me where after my season I'm you know kind of just ready to get back home and you know see the see my family and everybody, but. Um, we're, we're going to work on that. One of these, one of these years, I'm for sure going to shoot over to Sweden for maybe a week or two and, you know, hang out with him and see him live. Cause the last time I saw him live was, uh, my, before my, before my freshman year of college. So it's, it's been a while I'm long overdue to see my brother play live.
1: <laughs> so he's still playing then?
2: Yeah, he's still playing. Okay.
0: Nice. Yeah. And did you uh did you play soccer at any point? Like it's it's kind of interesting that you guys went down like different paths with that.
2: No, nah, we both we both um we both fell in love with both basketball and soccer growing up. Um uh our parents took us to the local YMCA and let us try everything growing up and you know, we both gravitated towards basketball and soccer. But it was just, you know, as we got older you know, my brother saw success with soccer. I saw success with basketball. So we kind of tailored to, you know, our, our respective sports. But, um, you know, when, when we're, when we're together, you know, he'll come to the gym and shoot with me. I'll go out to the soccer field and kick some balls around with him. Um, but it was just, you know, the main thing with me, uh, soccer in Florida, you know, that's a different type of heat. (laughs) So I couldn't, I couldn't stay out there for all 90 minutes. You know, I had to, I had to, I had to stay inside where it's a little cooler. So I think that's kind of where basketball <laughs> took over for me.
0: Yeah, nice. And, and uh, I also wanted to ask, so after you finished college, Uh, for your rookie season, you went over to Sydney in the Australian League uh, to play for the Sydney Kings. I I was just kind of wondering what that experience was like because I actually lived in Australia for like five months last year, so I went to a lot of NBL games uh, and and saw Sydney a couple times. Um, So I was just wondering why, why you decided to go to Australia straight out of college and what that experience was like.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, first off, Sydney, Australia, is one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to um i think that i have i have to say that first anytime you know i talk to somebody about australia i always make sure i say that first and foremost um i it was a it was somewhere that i've always wanted to travel to you know regardless of whether or not i was playing basketball so when the opportunity presented itself you know it kind of felt like a no-brainer to me um and you know just playing in that in that league um it, it really gave, it gave me a reality check, honestly, you know, coming off the, the senior year that I had at, at Youngstown, I was kind of, I was kind of feeling myself a little too much. You know, I, I went over, I kind of went over with the, with the wrong mindset of, you know, I'm just going to go over here and do the same thing that I did in college and it's going to be easy and this and that. And then, you know, reality really set in like, okay, these guys are professionals. You know, they've, they've done this for, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. They're not just going to let some rookie come over here and, you know, just dominate like that without putting, without putting the, you know, uh, proper work in. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that experience. I think it opened my eyes to a lot. Um, I'm grateful for the, for the, for the relationships and the friendships that I've made out there. Um, to this day, you know, I still stay in contact with a lot of people from there. And, uh, I would, I would love to go back, uh, you know, to visit and just to relive some old memories and, you know, to see some new things. Because like I said, Sydney was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to in my life. And the time I spent there, I did a lot of growing up there. So, you know, it only feels right that, you know, at some point in my life, I go back to, you know, pay my respects.
0: Yeah, for sure. And probably a little bit different weather situation than what you're going through now in Russia, right?
2: (laughs) Totally, totally different. Totally different. And that was that was that was easier for me, you know, as a as a Florida boy, you know, never seen snow other than the four years of that I did at, at at Youngstown. You know, when when I heard that the seasons are opposite and I'd basically be getting another summer, you know, that was like the icing on the cake. So, you know, I didn't have to pack any any hoodies, I didn't have to pack any long sleeve shirts. It was just you know tank tops, basketball shorts, and flip flops all season long. It was amazing,
0: yeah, that's pretty nice um so fast forward a few years you were in Hungary uh last year what what was it like hitting that championship winning shot on the buzzer in that series
2: i mean it's it's something you know every every kid dreams of, you know when you think about playing basketball, you know you're in your driveway counting down five, four, three, two one um and, you know, I, easily the biggest shot that I've made in my career. Um, but, you know, that, that kind of just sealed off, you know, a really great season, not just for me, but, you know, for my teammates, for the city, um, for the city of Solnook. You know, it was a it was a magical season. And I think that was just, you know, the 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 icing on the cake. Um, I'm really appreciative of, of everybody that I that I've met and uh, through my time in, in Solnook. Um, the coaches, the staff, my, my fellow teammates who I still keep in contact with. Um, you know, we did, we did something really special, not just winning the championship, but the cup as well. You know, staying in first place really throughout the whole season. and It was a very dominant season for us. Um, so like I said, I just look back on, on that year with, um, with the biggest smile on my face because I know we accomplished a lot. I know I accomplished a lot individually, but, you know, I'm nothing without my teammates. So uh it's it's just as as much of of them as it is of me too
1: uh that that game that series and uh your time there in in Hungary was pretty pre- prevalent in the in KP3 TV a lifetime series uh the complex the complex simplicity of KP3 um this yep, YouTube yep. YouTube series you did uh, maybe what was the reason you started it? Um, I imagine maybe for the, for the folks back home, uh, that wouldn't have a chance to to see you and what you're experiencing, but maybe just talk about, uh, how this whole, uh, KP3 TV, uh, came to being.
2: Well, uh, I first started it my first year in Hungary when I was with Corman. Um, and I really kind of just started it out of, out of boredom. Honestly, you know, I, you know, after practice, I was trying to find you know different ways to, you know, stay engaged. And you know, there's only so much TV you can watch. There's only so many video games you can play. Um, so you know, I, I just kind of thought you know it would be kind of cool to give my give my friends and family back home um, a little glimpse of what we do overseas, what we kind of what the what the day to day ins and outs are. So you know, if you go back to those those first videos. Um, those are just you know maybe me giving a teammate a camera and saying hey can you record this for me and then um, after I left Corman I had to get a uh, surgery for my knee so that kind of fell off and then when I was in Macedonia I didn't really have um I didn't really have anyone to really help me with the with the footage but then in Solnuk, um I, I I linked up with with a friend of mine uh, Ferg who does a a visual, who does visual um, illustrations and photos and videos. And he really prides himself on that. So, you know, I, I linked up with him and I told him, you know, Hey, you know, if you're interested, you know, you can come help me out with this KP3 TV. It's kind of like a lifestyle um, video kind of show the ins and outs of what it's like overseas. um, The mindset you have to have with certain different things. Um, And he was all on board. So, you know, with us, um that's kind of how that came about and then when we got you know obviously back home we shot a few videos to kind of you know show what the off season mode is like too because you know playing overseas our off season is is only but so long you know so we kind of wanted to touch on a little bit of that as well as um what it's like to be overseas for so long away from your family away from your friends away from your loved ones um so I'm excited to see uh what we what we uh where we're gonna go next with it.
1: Okay, so two seasons, is there another season planned? I mean, like you said, the last the second season was uh you know, stepped it up definitely professionalization wise.
2: Oh yeah, we definitely have a uh, more seasons planned. Um <laughs> okay. it's just a matter of us getting our schedules together. Uh the funny thing is he plays he plays soccer in Sweden as well. Him and my brother played soccer together in college. Okay. Um, and they and they they are now both playing um in Sweden. So you know it's just a matter of our um, our schedules lining up at the right time, but for sure being the being the be on the lookout for more k p three t v
1: yeah the kickback party looked pretty fun i will say that
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a great time that's something i do you know every year um just uh you know just to, it's kind of like a welcome home thing just to, i always you know tell my friends how much I appreciate them for Just supporting me. And because, you know, when I, when I, a lot of these times when I go work out, you know, I'm not with a a big trainer or something like that. You know, I'm with, you know, my buddies at the local gym down the street. I'll have them rebound for me and they'll come and get in on the workout sometimes too, just to stay in shape. Um, So, you know, they're, like I say in the episode, they're just as much as a part of my success as, you know, anything else. Um, So, you know, I, I throw that event every year them just to you know show my appreciation uh, for them
0: yeah that's awesome and one thing that we notice is you know going back to your college days you had the short hair and then in the videos you can start to see the progression a little bit and now now you got like the full-blown dreadlocks going on uh when when did you decide to grow out the dreads and why did you decide to do that
2: well I had long hair up until high school and then I cut it because I wanted to try something new and then I didn't Really, I wasn't really a big fan of it um, during high school. So all throughout college, I would want to try to grow it back. You know, I'd have, like, an afro for maybe, like, a month or something. But then something would always come up. Like, uh, I'd grow it out for a month or two, but then team pictures would come up. So I'd have to get a haircut for that. And then, um, you know, I'd grow it out maybe another month or two later. And then a banquet or something might come up. So I'd always have reasons to cut it. And then once I got to Australia... I was pretty skeptical about, you know, people cutting my hair. So I said, okay, I'm over in Australia. You know, I I don't really have any family or friends over here, um, but any family or friends from back home over here. So I'll just grow out my hair and see what happens. And then once I got back to the states, I said, you know, it's a it's at a it's at a length where I thought it would look good if I twisted it up. Um, so I did twist it up. And looking back on those old pictures, I could tell it was a bad decision. It didn't. I don't know know why none of my friends decided to uh, try to change my mind, Um, even though they probably did. But I probably just wasn't listening to them. (laughs) But um, I mean, here we are. What? Almost five years later. Um, So, you know, it's uh, it's been a process, but I'm loving it.
1: Uh, I I saw you have. Tattooed on either side of your wrist, you have "Find Truth" and "Spread Love." Uh, May just uh, what what uh, that uh, grouping of tattoos means?
2: Uh, well, they actually come from a book that my brother wrote. It's called "How Much I Owe." Uh, and within the book, he talks about it's it's a it's a it's kind of like a journey book. Um, it takes you on a it takes you on a a fantasy journey. Um, I don't want to give too much of the book because if you, I would, I would hope that people would do the research and read the book on their own. But um, in the book, he says, or well, one of the main characters says, you know, his philosophy on life is to find truth and spread love. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that, you know, every, everyone can do, no matter your occupation, no matter your race, no matter your gender. Two things you can really do on this earth while you're here are to find truth in everything that you do and spread love you know these are things that really they don't cost any money you know i don't think they're very hard to do per se in in my personal experience um so that's that's something that you know i i take very seriously and that's something i live by
0: yeah that's cool do do you have any other favorite tattoos
2: um any favorite tattoos i mean i love them all honestly uh the the first one i have there's a there's a they're the first one I got. There was a, there's an angel on my on my right arm, holding a basketball. It says my gift, my passion. Uh, that one's very special to me because my brother drew it for me. Um, I have a I have a, a black power fist on my right um, on the right side of my chest, with a quote from Maya Angelou that says, "I am the hope and dream of the slave." I think that's a big one, not just for me, but for you know, obviously for my culture. Um, but you know, I love all my tattoos. Um that was something my parents, you know told me, you know when they when I started telling them that when to get tattoos, you know, they said, just always be mindful that you're gonna have them on you for the rest of your life. So you know don't don't take them lightly. Don't mess around with them um, because you can't get and you can't get them removed. but you know, obviously that, that's a whole
0: process in itself. So, uh, like I said, I love all my tattoos. Nice. And, uh, bringing, bringing it back to the court, just to kind of close things out here. Uh, you guys have a really important game next week at Ludwigsburg. Uh, they, they beat you by two points earlier in the season, but now you guys are in like a do or die situation to make the playoffs. Uh, what, what do you guys need to do to get a win next week?
2: whatever's possible. I mean, you know, we have to, we have to stay locked into our game plan for for 40 minutes, Um, 45, if that's what it takes, 50, if that's what it takes. Um, But, you know, like you said, it's a do or die game. So um, everybody has to stay locked in, no matter what, you know, we can't take possessions off. We can't take plays off. We can't have any, you know, defensive lapses. Uh, We just have to stay sharp because, you know, every, at this point, every, every possession, every minute, every second counts if we want to, Get to that next round. So, I think if, as long as we all have that mindset, I think we'll be fine.
1: It's funny you mentioned fifty. You know plenty about going to double overtime in the BCL, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, a lot. <laughs> Not just in the BCL, but VTB games too. We've had a we've had a few uh, a few extra basketball games, so you know we're pretty used to it.
1: Were you guys worried that you might end up with four players in that game against Mercia?
2: Yeah, that was a little that was a little <laughs> different. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. That that, that one a little different. I don't think I've seen a. I don't think I've been a part of a game uh, where I've had that. Where we've had that many people, you know, foul out. But I mean, you know, it's it's part of the game. And if we needed to play with four, then we would have had to play with four.
1: But it, it would have been, been fun. It would have been fun to see that, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, it would. It probably would have been a BCL first. But you know, thankfully it didn't come to that. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we weren't able to squeeze that one out. But you know, it happens.
1: All right, for those people who might be interested in following you on social media, why don't you let people know where they can uh, keep up with you?
2: Uh, on Twitter and Instagram is the same, Kendrick, the number three, and then Perry. Um, on YouTube, uh, just search KP3TV um, and just, you know, continue to, continue to support. I appreciate all the support that I've, that I've gotten so far. I'm blessed to be in the position that I'm in. And, uh, you know, I just I, I give all the credit to, to my family, my loved ones back home, my girlfriend, who, who continue to support me and love me uh, through my ups and downs. So uh, I just try to, you know, keep that mindset and keep continuing to put the work in that I am and uh, let the results speak for themselves.
1: All right. Fantastic. Uh, Kendrick Perry from Disney Novgorod. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, thanks again to our guest this week, Kendrick Perry from Nizhny Novgorod. Dave, what did you think about our interview with Kendrick?
1: You know one of the things that stand out the most is um is if you go back and i think it was episode five six of season two um of his of his series um it kinda you kind of see the the background of um going in and 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 the choices of where you're going to go you know where a player is going to go for the next season I thought that was really interesting I thought it was cool that that he that he put that in there um but yeah just a fun guy you know ever really ever since the Norris Cole interview we've been kind of like oh when are we going to Perry and then he got hurt and then uh so it was cool that we got a chance to you know you know they might not make it which would have been disappointed if we didn't have him on the show because I think he's a great personality uh so it was fun to get him on the show
0: Yeah, and that's a perfect segue to our Game Day 14 preview. So Nizhny... Like you said, they might not make it. They need a win and a little bit of help next week. They play on the road at Ludwigsburg, so they absolutely have to win that game. And they need either Avellino or Leman to lose. Avellino are on the road at Vinspiels, while Leman hosts Anvil. Uh, Leman they are in with a win, as are Avellino. They are in the playoffs with a win or a loss by either Nizhny or Leman. Uh, Dave, let, let's, let's do a little prediction time. So we got Nizhny on the road at Ludwigsburg, We got Avelino on the road at Ventspiels and we got Lamont hosting Anvil. Which of those three teams do you think will get the final two spots?
1: Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll, I'll say if I'll go Lamont and I'll go, um, Avellino.
0: All right. Yeah, I'll say Avellino make it as well, but I'm going to go with Nizhny just because my my overreaction Friday last week was that no French teams will make the playoffs. So I need (laughs) Nizhny to win at Ludwigsburg and I need Anvil to pull off the upset on the road at Le Mans. That's going to be tough with the way Le Mans are playing, but I'll, I'll, I'll call that. I'll go with Nizhny and Avellino making the playoffs. All three of those games will be on the same time at Tuesday on Tuesday, so the teams won't know the results going into their game, uh, Dave. And then later on in the, on Tuesday, I know what we're going to be watching in Group B: Halone versus Nantes, the do or die playoff game. Let's go prediction time again. Winner takes all. Loser goes home. Who do you got in this one?
1: I'm gonna take Nanterre. I definitely want to uh, double down on your bet to your bold prediction. I'm,
0: I want all four French teams in. There. Yeah, so I I need Halone in. Uh, getting Corey Walden back is going to be huge for them, uh, especially with Nanterre with with Singlin and with Waters. Two great guards there. Halone definitely need Walden. Uh, He might be a little bit rusty coming back from the U.S., but hopefully he's able to give them a great performance. So that game is later on Tuesday. And then looking ahead to Wednesday, Dave, uh, we've got Group D and Group C. Group C pretty much decided, as we've mentioned, but Group D, there's going to be some drama Ostend are hosting Strasbourg. If Ostend win that game, they will get the final playoff spot. If Strasbourg win, they are in the playoffs if Bayreuth also beat Neptunus. So, Strasbourg need a win and they need Bayreuth to beat Neptunus. And Neptunus, they need Strasbourg to beat Ostend and then they need to get a win themselves at home versus Bayreuth. So, cards on the table. Neptunus, Ostend, Strasbourg, three teams fighting for one playoff spot in group D. Who you got?
1: I'm I'm going to say there's going to be two French teams. And yes, I know the Dijon can't make it in. All right, I'm going to say that I'm going to say that Strasbourg don't make it, but I'm going to say they're going to win this game and hope and pray that that Bayreuth beat Neptunus, but Neptunus win so Neptunus actually sneak in. I'm actually with you there. I think I'll take
0: Strasbourg on the road at Ostend to win that game. But Neptunus take care of business at home against Bayreuth. So then Neptunus will be the fourth playoff team in Group D, along with Bologna, Prometheus, and Besiktas. So those games in Group D, those are all on Wednesday, February 6th. And then two days later, February 8th, we have the playoff draw. So the number one seeds will be drawn against the number four seeds, the number 2s versus the number 3s and remember teams from the same group cannot be drawn against each other for the round of 16. So next week Dave and I will be coming to you we'll we'll break down some of the playoff matchups. It's going to be a wild game day 14. Make sure you watch some of these games with playoff implications, especially non Nantes. If I had to pick one game next week, I would choose that one because it is a true playoff game. Winner advances, loser is eliminated. So it's going to be an exciting Week next week. Remember, you can watch everything on livebasketball.tv Follow along at BasketballCL on Twitter. Also, download the official Champions League app. Dave, any final words before we wrap this up?
1: Just enjoy. I mean, this is what we wait. This is what we're kind of hoping for—that we have some, uh, you know, controlled chaos, if you will, at the end, and and you know. We have uh, we have fantastic runs, uh, you know, we have fantastic uh, matchups, and, uh, you know, we're waiting to, to, to find out the, the final teams to get in. So just enjoy it.
0: All right, well said. Thanks again to our guest, Kendrick Perry, for joining us on the show this week. For Dave Hein out in Germany, my name is Austin Green. This has been BCL Coast to Coast, and we'll catch you next week.